Hello, my name is Crystal McGrath, and you are listening to the Crushing Chaos Podcast. I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur with a drive for connection and positivity. I spend my working hours on my music career as a recording artist. I have a music school where I get to share my passion for music and performance with clients of all ages, and I coach women how to live their best life through fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I love everything about wellness, business, and creativity. Some people call me crazy for doing so many things, but I call it living to my best potential. I am always full of new ideas and so thrilled to share tools, tips, and stories from inspiring women crushing the chaos in their personal and professional lives. This is a show that has everything from heartfelt stories of survival, healthy eating tips, and emotional growth, all the way to business tips, delegating, marketing, and how to grow your social media following. If you're a person striving to live your best life in all areas, then Crushing Chaos will have something for you. Grab your favorite beverage and join in on the conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Crushing Chaos podcast. Today, our guest is Danielle Bettman. Danielle is a parent coach and podcaster working to take away the stigma of being the only one that feels like they are failing at motherhood. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to chat with you and hear all about your story. All right. So tell me about yourself and what got you started in the parent coaching industry. Sure. I'd love to. So my background is teaching. I have a teaching certificate from like birth through third grade. And I was in a school doing Head Start and early Head Start and moved into home visiting. And from there, I realized that what happens at home is what really wires kids. And parents are doing the hardest job in the entire world with no training or no manual, and they're doing the best they can while they're exhausted and overwhelmed. And um, once I had my own kids, I realized that I just really wanted to uh, work with parents one-on-one. And if I wanted to help change the world, I wanted to do it by helping parents because I really do feel like providing and meeting kids' needs is a way to raise up the next generation and parents are the ones that are doing it and they want what's best for their kids. But when we know better, we can do better. And we just don't go into parenting having it all figured out. We don't actually know what we're doing. <laughs> totally. So, there's no manual, right? None. Like, no. Parent, no. We don't know what kind of kids they are. <laughs> there's nope. so many different personalities. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And there's no one size fits all, like here's the formula for a perfect kid at the end of this type of thing. So (laughs) I feel like we need all the help we can get. So that's how I got into parent coaching and started my own company called Wholeheartedly. That's awesome. So you're kind of taking your journey and being inspired by other people's journeys to help coach them and guide them along this crazy journey of life and You know, right now, I think is especially a crazy time just being having this COVID situation and all in the world. Yes. What kind of advice do you have for parents that now have their children at home full time and, you know, they're now the teacher and the parent? um, And how do they separate those roles and, you know, make things go a little bit more seamless and not so overwhelmed? Do you have any? Thoughts or tips, tools, anything? The struggle is real right now. Yeah, (laughs) not like parenting wasn't hard enough. Now we have the weight of the world's global pandemic on our shoulders, and yeah, we're homeschooling and working our job and doing a million things with like no outlets. Um, It's rough out there. So 
Um, my, my number one recommendation is to prioritize your sanity over everything else. And mm-hmm. when you take care of yourself, then you can be a good parent. Then you can be patient. Then you can show up and be the parent that you want to be. But you cannot do that when you're depleted and when you're meeting everyone else's needs but your own. So the more that you can um, take time for yourself at the beginning of the day, take time at the end of the day, um, you know, buy all the chocolate you want, hide in the bathroom, go for a drive, whatever you need to do to stay sane um, and be patient. That's the priority right now. So academics, like kids will be fine. Um, you know, whether they or not they're watching screen time more than usual is fine. The main thing that they need from us right now is to feel safe in their home and for us to be their like safe place and for us to answer their questions and help them feel okay through everything that's changing. And the only way we can do that is if we're taking care of ourselves. So that's, that's my number one. Yeah. I like how you said that feeling safe in the home. And I think that's really easy to kind of get distracted from when the world is so chaotic um, and just the uncertainty and unfamiliar kind of lay of the land that we're experiencing right now. It's you know, sometimes hard to feel safe as just, you know, an individual. So let alone, you know, making a whole entire pack of little kids make them feel comfortable as well as a whole other weight. So I think it's very well said, just creating a very safe environment allows things to move a little bit smoother. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people say, I don't have time. Like I just don't have time to take care of myself. So what kind Mm -hmm. of tips do you have on how people can, you know, spend an extra five minutes just doing something good, right? Because it doesn't have to take yeah. three hours to do something good no. for yourself. No, no, it's not the bubble baths and the massages and the yeah. days. like <laughs> not even close. They're, they're probably closed. So <laughs> <laughs> we have to get creative. And for me, I know it makes a world of difference if I wake up before my kids, even if it's by 15 minutes and um, make my coffee and sit out on my balcony and um, journal or just um, like silent for like five minutes and meditate. Um, I really, really need to feel full first before I can start to pour myself out all day to everybody else. And when I don't do that and I feel rushed by the expectations of the day and I just feel like I'm already behind Um, then I feel resentful and I start to get snippy and irritable and it comes out, you know, the whole rest of the day. And by bedtime, I'm like a frazzled mess. So, um, so for me, that just looks like, um, being able to make coffee and have it and take some time to myself, maybe, um, listening to a podcast or a book on, you know, audible or something. Um, if I have something good in my ears, then it really keeps me centered. Um, and just getting to do some things for myself so that I still feel like I am a person outside of all the, you know, expectations and responsibilities on top of myself. And so for me, I have to constantly be having a creative project to work on because I just need that, you know, piece of sanity in my life too, even though it's, added tasks. Uh, it doesn't feel like it when I'm, you know, thinking about, I can't wait to do it, you know, later today. So totally, no, that makes sense. Doing things that you love still and making the time for that. But also just, I think, you know, I really love the idea of starting your day, filling your cup. Cause Mm -hmm. I find it, it's a lot harder, you know, midday to take a time out and fill your cup up 
Yeah. It just feels like the day gets away from you and it just totally. Yeah. I know. I think like, you know, six out of seven days of the week, I think, where did the day go? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gone. So, you know, if you don't start your day, I'm the same way. I like to start my day filling up my cup, meditating, Mm -hmm. even if it's five minutes or, you you know, sitting down, writing a gratitude list. Yes. Like it doesn't have to be a mountain, you know, you can just no. take a quick little, quick little bite of time and, and make it good for you so that you can go be great for other people. Mm-hmm. I love that. What do you find are the most common challenges amongst parents? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, some of the common threads right now are the good cop, bad cop dynamic, you know, dad's more strict, mom's more lenient or, you know, compassionate or empathetic, however you want to word it. Um, dad's more worried about, you know, respect and hard work and some of those things. And just seeing the lens of a child's behavior in totally different ways because of how they were parented and trying to bridge that gap so that they're not undermining each other and basically, you know, ruining everything that they're trying to do. Um, that's a big challenge that I really help a lot of clients with. But the other one is just trying to break that paradigm shift of how this generation that's parenting, how they were parented and you know, viewing punishment and rewards as really the only tools at our disposal and you know, trying to play them like cards. And if you do it in the right way, then somehow you are able to control a child's behavior and be able to, you know, make sure that they never mess up or that they aren't having tantrums. And that's just really not the way kids work. And it's not uh, the goal. It's much more understanding that the behavior that we're seeing is a symptom of a deeper issue of disconnect within the child. And if we can problem solve that and help meet their needs and just help them be a whole person then it eliminates the need for that um, aggressive baby behavior or the acting out. And, but you need a lot more tools for that and perspective. And um, you need to be a healthy whole parent yourself in order to dive into decoding those messages from your child. And so it's a very complicated job. That's uh, way, you know, it's just way more complicated than sticker charts. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, I wish it was that easy and it's just not. And so, uh, yeah, those are just two of the, the main challenges that I think, um, you know, other, other than the pandemic and all the other things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'm sure the list could continue to go on and on. Oh, but for sure. <laughs> yeah. Life, right? Nothing's yes. perfect. There's always something. Yes. So when you work with clients, um, how do you go and assess what they need or what you can offer them? Um, do you have a list of different services? Or I'm just thinking like if somebody ever wanted to get into the parent coaching industry, um, what are some things that you do to be a coach for people? Yeah. What I kind of have created is an initial consultation and an ongoing coaching. And I really liken it to therapy or marriage counseling where we need like the orientation period and kind of like creating a plan. And then we just keep working towards your goals for however long you feel like you need it to um, feel like you know what you're doing and like you can take over the world. So I have it set up right now where I have two 90-minute sessions that I went go through an extensive questionnaire of everything that's going on in your home and what you've tried and what's worked and what hasn't worked, but then also what's going on holistically about 
their whole family and everything that could be affecting that child, everything that's affecting your ability to parent stress levels at, you know, with cleaning stress levels with work, like, you know, how's your marriage? Just everything. I ask everything. And then that helps me get a really good picture of like, where are the gaps? Where's the disconnect? How can I help? And then I create a plan of how I feel like we can reach your goals together. And whether that is getting on the same page or helping with a child's specific behavior or creating a better foundation of tools to work with, um, then I kind of write up resources and the strategies I recommend. And then I just kind of keep coaching and teaching those with support and accountability over the long term. So, you know, two sessions a month, usually by average. And I have a shared app where we have a little checklist for homework and a thread of conversation back and forth between sessions where my clients can share stories and pictures and ask questions and really be in touch in between times so that they do feel like they're building up their muscles of these new ways of thinking and new ways of reacting. Um, and then, you know, I just kind of leave that up to them. Usually the average is about three months of working together until they feel like they got their feet underneath them. Um, but it just depends. It's every family is different. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. I think, um, accountability is a huge thing for, for us as humans, you know, when we set on a path to do something, it always helps to have a cheerleader yeah, and a coach or somebody (laughs) just in your corner saying, yes, you're on the right path or, you know, like you can steer off path very, very easily. So to have someone, you know, guide you, redirect you back to the path that you're trying to stay on instead of, you know, going off the path and then just staying off the path. It's like going on a diet, right? Like how many times? (laughs) Oh, totally. I'm going to quit carbs. And then all of a sudden you eat a piece of toast and now you're eating cupcakes and chips (laughs) and cookies and the whole carb load. For sure. Yes. Yeah. And I I feel like, especially with parenting, you get fixated on the things that aren't working and you get really down about, you know, how maybe you didn't get the homework done or whatever it is. But I really do see myself just as much as a coach as a cheerleader for families to keep pointing them back to, but here's a win to celebrate and here is what's working and here's the progress you've made. And when we can fixate on that good, then we're going to see more and it just accumulates and, and, you know, propels that snowball down the mountain. So yeah, I definitely think that's a huge part of it. And the accountability of, you know, having that next meeting on the calendar um, really does keep families on their toes so that they are actually, you know, getting to accomplishing the goals that they set out to do, because without that, it's just, we have so much going on. The urgent comes up and it just is never going to happen. Totally. And kids are so reactive too. So sometimes you can be on the right path and focused, but maybe not getting the reaction of, yeah, you're doing it right, mom. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So to have someone on the outside, um, just, you know, reaffirm that you're on the right path is, is awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about big emotions. So what are some tools to deal with them in children? Oh yeah. That's a huge pain point because usually as parents, we were not uh, taught how to deal with other people's emotions in good ways. You know, we didn't, weren't explained boundaries in high school. Um, these things should be <laughs> conversations, but mm-hmm. they just haven't been. And so we don't feel like we have the tools to manage these situations without going into fight or flight response ourselves. So even if we did know what to do, we're already at a disadvantage until we can really become conscious of why something's a trigger and how we can kind of like 
work past that and stay present. Um, but once you do that, then you're like, okay, well, what do I do? Because there's a child losing their mind <laughs> in front of yeah. me. And like, I want to teach them a lesson, but it's not going to like, they can't even hear me right now. Like, what do I do? And so I do have a, uh, PDF guide that is like five pages that helps families have a tool of what to do in the moment of a meltdown or a tantrum on my website, um, parentingwholeheartedly.com. It's right there in the front. Um, so families can download that and there's a printable as well for like what you can just put on your wall and like help your child, like walk down these five steps. Um, but what you're trying to do at that moment is just regulate their response system. Because if you try to do anything else, it's, it's only probably going to escalate it and not, you know, teach a lesson or they're not going to hear the lecture. Um, there's much better times to teach outside of that moment of when everybody is calm again. And so remembering that, you know, trying to use the least amount of words as possible is usually for the best. And then, um, just helping figure out what works for that child to help them, you know, maybe they need space or maybe they need a person next to them. You know, there's kind of two types of people um, in those moments. And then just helping have some next steps of the steps that I take with my girls are um, get a drink, blow your nose, um, get a hug, take a deep breath and like find, make a choice of what to do next. And we kind of walk through those five. That's kind of the principle that I have, but it just helps to have some sort of framework when everybody's just like frazzled of knowing what to do to get back to square one. And then we can solve whatever problem occurred in the first place, which, you know, if that was a fight, then we need to go repair that relationship. Or if something broke, then we need to go pick it up. Or if there's, you know, a boundary that needs to be like moving on, and we need to leave the house or whatever, you go leave the house. But like, you just respond to the regulating of the emotions in the moment with the least amount of words and explanation possible, walking through those steps, but then also making sure that that child feels understood because that's what they're really trying to do. They want to feel heard. They want to know that the message that they're sending is being received. And when we um, dismiss it or ignore it or try to blow past it, then they feel like they have no choice but to escalate that message. So it gets louder and like clear, more clear across. And that's not what we want. We want to make sure that that we're like, no, 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 we're good. We got you. Um, So using some you statements is also really helpful where you um, say back to them what they were trying to say to you. So if they were calm enough to be using words, that's what you're going to like model for them. It's like, you really want ice cream for dinner and you saw the meatballs and you are losing your mind because you only want ice cream. Like saying something like that, they'd be like, yes, as opposed to like, ah. Right. That, that <laughs> feeling of I am heard. Yes. Yeah, so focusing I, on that really helps us know what we're trying to do in that moment too. Right. And I think developing that understanding with kids at a young age of you are being heard can help so much later on in life because as adults, even how many times do we just want to be heard? Right. And it's like, you're not using your voice and then you find different outlets for. It comes out sideways. Yeah. So I think to learn those, those tools at a young age is amazing. That's, that's awesome. 
Yeah. And I love the idea of having a checklist under like frazzled, high stress moments, which is mm-hmm. something that you can use with anything, really any stress triggers. So especially mm-hmm. kids though, I mean, when you're there with them and they're reacting and you're reacting because they're reacting and then they're <laughs> reacting because you're reacting, yes. you know, there's no solution to reaction, right? No. So having a response of a checklist is is very good. And then if you can kind of develop a habitual system using that, I just love yes. that. Yes. Really yeah. good, good tools that people can use. Thanks. Yeah. I love that. Um, something else I saw on your site, you say you're at number seven on the Enneagram scale. Is that how you say it? Enneagram? Yes. yes. Tell me I've, about I've that. I've heard different versions, but yeah. Yeah. We'll I've heard different. <laughs> I don't know. And sometimes I pronounce, pronunciate things wrong. There it is right there. <laughs> I try, but Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that or how that scale and spectrum works. Yeah. So there's nine different variations. You can be, you know, a number from one through nine. And the idea behind it is that it is kind of the way that you've been taught to see the world or that you, the way that you've kind of taken on coping mechanisms for how to get your needs met in the world and how to kind of function. And everybody takes on a different approach. So, you know, there's the perfectionist mentality and there's like the peacemaker mentality and like the, you know, more scientists experiments mentality. Um, there's like all of them across the board. Um, but sevens are like really focused on not being trapped, not wanting to feel bad emotions. Like really it's like the poppy from trolls, cupcakes, rainbows, butterflies, <laughs> like all like of that. the fun things, the spontaneous things in life. Um, that's a seven. And, uh, you know, I love people. I love, um, I just have like, everything is optimistic in my life. I definitely see the world half, like half full. Um, but to a naive point where I think like the best of everyone <laughs> when I shouldn't, um, like and <laughs> I'm never on time because I have no discipline and no ability to like be on a structured time frame. <laughs> like I don't estimate things well. I'm like, Oh, I have 20 minutes. I'll be able to get 1800 things done. And I never can. I, and I never learn. <laughs> I find, you know, if I have five minutes to get somewhere, I'll be there. Like right on time. But if I have half an hour to get somewhere, I'll be 10 minutes late. <laughs> it's Every so time. ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> and I know this about myself and I remind myself all the time, like, no, you can't do all these things. <laughs> I never learned. More. I'm I- even late to like my Zoom wor- live workouts now. And I have no excuse for that. <laughs> you know what? You were on time today. So you, you won there. <laughs> That's <Good> true. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> We both were. We we're winning. We're winning right there. So, do you use this spectrum when you're coaching? I don't actually. Um, I think it's the enneagram itself is almost like a tool that you're able to use more for adults than kids. I think because cool. kids are still formulating their response, you know, to yeah. the, how they see the world. But I have talked to a gal that uses like the Myers Briggs personality test with kids, um, as old as seven. And that's more of like the preferences that you were like ingrained with from birth of like, you know, introvert versus extrovert and the, the ways that you kind of fit best or, or that bring out your strengths best. And so that, that's kind of fascinating. Um, thinking about how 
you know, the personalities of like a parent and a child either mesh up or, mm. you know, butt heads. Um, so I think anytime that you can get to know yourself, it's going to make you a better parent because you're more aware of like why you do the things you do and why it bugs you that your child does it this way. Um, so I'm always a huge proponent of, you know, self intention, self discovery on a parent's end. But then also I think, you know, the more that we can help our kids understand who they are because we're kind of the expert and we're learning it as we go and helping point that out to them to say like, you really love when you get to do this and you're, you just like love making people laugh. You're so good at this, like helping them kind of formulate their own self image is a huge way that we influence them over time. And our words are very powerful and we kind of create like self-fulfilling prophecies for our kids by the ways that we not only build them up with our words, but um, just kind of point out the things that give them that intrinsic motivation and confidence too. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, yeah, that's my answer. (laughs) I love that. I think, um, it's so interesting. These personality type tests. I think everybody should, I'm going to go do this test and yeah. see what I am. I feel like I might be a seven too. Just a free spirit. <laughs> free yes. Laugh High five. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and chatting and sharing so many great tips that people can use. I'll make sure to post that link to your website as well as where they can get that download. Um, yeah. And yeah, thank you again so much for taking time out of your busy day to have this wonderful conversation. No, thank you so much. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Crushing Chaos Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to take a screenshot of you listening, share it on your Instagram story, and tag us at Crushing Chaos Podcast. We love to repost on our story and show appreciation to our listeners. Be sure to check out the website at www.crystalmcgrath.ca slash crushing chaos, where you can find more information on our guests and sign up for emails to stay up to date with new episodes and all the upcoming exciting new adventures. I cannot wait to connect again with you soon. Until next time. 